Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So if you're, if you're wanting to get to eight figures, you're going to have to spend time in that quadrant of doing the difficult work of creating the systems that that build a business that don't just mean that you're self-employed, that you're running from one customer or job to the next. And it's actually it's a lot harder to do that. It's a lot harder to to think through how to, you know, either, you know, you can push a rock up a mountain and that's hard or you can build a system, a machine that that moves it up the mountain. They're speakers, authors and real life rock stars, bringing you life changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menzoir. What's happening, family? Hello, people. Welcome to our listeners in Burundi. Burundi. Did you notice that too? We actually had a download <laughs> in the country of Burundi. Where is Burundi? Burundi is in East Africa. Yeah? Yeah. Do you know anything about Burundi? Oh, do I? <laughs> do what? I, Jim? Burundi <laughs> is going to make something up. Is the poorest country in the world. Is that real? Is it, that true? It's the truth. It's the poorest country it in the world. Seems apropos. Um, How does somebody for, download for, the. Uh, uh, I, I, I bet it's the think. richest person in that country. It could be. So I just want to say Bawakai to our friends in Burundi. <laughs> Did you just say Hawkeye? I said Bawakai. Is that really Burundi? It's really hell. It's it's no, it's not Burundi. It's um, uh, Kurundi is the language spoken. Oh, Burundi. You do know stuff. Everybody knows that, Jim. <laughs> so sorry. Kurundi is the native language of Burundi. Here I am thinking I was being smart by saying, "Hey, we saw that there's a new country added in, and you're you've already done some." Udakosi. Which what is, is that? Which is thank you in Kurundi. You're certainly welcome. I don't know why it sounded Japanese when I said it. Well, pretty quick, it I starts to sound like a pirate when I you're done. Don't. Everything sounds like a pirate at the end of the day. So uh, thank you for that one person. It, it, poorest country in the world, and yet someone has taken some time to listen to Thoughts at Rock. I want to know, know what episode they listened to. What's Watamusi? It's uh, Where's the Moose? No, oh. it's Good It's good Morning. <laughs> Don't start learning Burundi <laughs> cuss words. We should probably talk about this, uh, this Nagasaka topic. That, it was, that was Nagasaka Japanese. is actually bye. And there is no I love you. <laughs> it's uh, not available. It's what it actually says. So in, if you're in Burundi, Nobody loves you. Oh, wow. <laughs> Apparently, it says not available. Brant, don't let us lose the one follower we have in an entire country. Sorry. That would not be cool. So uh, our topic this week is about uh, how to grow your business, but there's a catch. Mm -hmm. It's how to do it with no money, how to do it with no outside capital. And okay. we found the perfect person. Yeah. I mean, you would think we we're going to be talking to some highfalutin tech executive but no we found somebody who knows what they're doing who has 
started and sold a couple of companies, including a landscaping business to now being the co-founder and yep. CEO of a company called Green Pal, yep. which uh, some people have called the Uber for lawn care. Yep. And it's uh, Brian Clayton. And, you know, we were so excited to have him on here because really Green Pal, the, the way I, I think he explains it is it's really an online marketplace that connects homeowners yeah. to lawn care professionals. And he has just blown this thing up. I know yeah. I already said he's an entrepreneur, but it was kind of cool because I was thinking he was going to go in some totally different directions. When you start talking about growing the business exponentially with no money, his stuff was super down to earth. It made so much sense. Totally. Right? Totally. To me, it's like, it's like the rocket mortgage of lawn care, right? They sort of match the appropriate local, you know, uh, service company with whatever you particularly might need. Um, but he was just so, so full of like practical advice. And it's obvious why he's, you know, built a $10 million company already and sold that off and why he's way more successful than we are. Exactly. <laughs> but I don't think they're going to change your marketing brand and call themselves the rocket mortgage of Uber, uh, of lawn care. Cause they've already got Uber for lawn care. Oh yeah. They, they, they've already gone there. They're the DoorDash of, of lawn care. I think maybe you should just stop trying to figure okay. out what their marquee players should be. Urakome. <laughs> <laughs> One more. What is it in Burundi? Uh, that's how are you? <laughs> I'm fine. And I think you're going to love this episode. Check it out. So do we. Yes, and there he is. Brian Clayton is in the house. Well, he's in his house. He's in his house. Yeah, he's not in our house. He's in Nash Vegas, <laughs> as we like to say. Yes. Yes. Brant being the musician, that's you've spent a lot of time there in Nashville. Absolutely. That was our whole machine was there in, in Nashville. I've got many fond and unfond memories. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing but fond for me. I opened up the Nashville Hard Rock there in, uh, in Broadway in second. And then Actually, as a speaker, you know this, Brian, you know, we're starting to do more and more stuff at the Music City Center because it's just so oh, it's big. awesome. It's and awesome. So for us, it's it's probably my second or third city now. I there. love their tagline, Nashville, where dreams go to die. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> when you walk in and the guy flipping burgers at, at Five Guys is three times the guitar player you are, you yes. go, okay, yep. I, I quit. I quit. <laughs> Well, this is exciting, man. We're, we're so thankful to have you on. And, uh, you know, we, it, it's funny. Our, our audience is pretty varied and, uh, to talk about, you know, taking your business from zero to eight figures is, is going to be pretty interesting for some people who are maybe looking to be self-employed or be an entrepreneur, or just start something. And, and they go, geez, there's going to be a lot of time and effort and rigor and energy and, and money. And uh, luckily, we've got an expert on the show today, Brant, who's going to talk about that. So, well, it's not just that; it's doing it with no outside investment, right? And I am all ears. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's that's the gig, man. We're we're going to talk about how to grow your business with no outside capital. So, let's just turn it over to you, my friend. What what is your first thought that rocks on how to do this? Awesome. Well, Brant, Jim, thanks for having me on. This is great to be here. Uh, my first thought that rocks on how to go from zero to eight figures is maybe look at your uh, business like a video game almost. Um, I actually got started in the lawn care business because my dad got tired of watching me play Super Mario Kart. He made me go mow my first yard back in 1995. And I grew that little lawn mowing business to, to $10 million a year in revenue. It took me 15 years, uh, but got the business bought. And and looking back in that first kind of act of my entrepreneurial journey, it really was kind of like a video game. It was one level at a time. 
And slowly it just, it just evolved into a, an eight figure business. And I think what holds a lot of new founders up is they're, they're in the video game of business and they're worried about Bowser. They're worried about Mike Tyson at the end. And, yeah. and you're really, you're really at, you're, you're fighting glass Joe. You're, you're on yeah. level one. You need to worry yeah. about glass Joe problems and not worry about <laughs> Mike Tyson problems. And so that holds up a lot of new founders. They're worried about things that don't matter. Like, what's my culture going to be and what's my brand strategy and you know, what's my TikTok strategy going to look like? It's like, like you need 10 customers, you need 20 customers. You, you need to figure out how to keep those customers and let, like, let's just solve for level one and then get on to level two. And so that's how, that's how building my first business and my second business green pal have, have looked like looking back and maybe I'm on level six right now. And I I'm guilty of this. I'm worried about level 10 when maybe I'm on level six, let's just worry about one level at a time. So explain that a little bit. Like I, I understand the concept of not getting lost in the thick of thin things. And like you're talking yeah. about worrying about things that don't matter. Let's just get, let's just get customers. Let's get revenue. Let's get dollars in the bank. And that solves a lot of issues. But if I was to use that analogy of, of uh, look at the business as a video game specifically, what would you maybe give somebody some advice on how to do that other than, don't get caught in fighting the the big monsters and the gorillas and the things out there. How, how do you specifically do that? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, you know, I like what you what you the, the point you make. You know, don't get caught up in the thick of thin things. I think that's a seven habits of highly effective. It people is. Thing. And yeah. and and then that book. That's one of my favorite books about business and life. And in that book, he Dr. Stephen Covey also talks about um, your circle of concern and your circle of influence yeah. and your circle of concern is really everything else in the video game. It is Mike Tyson. It is Glass Joe. It's it's the war in Ukraine. It's what, do we have another uh, recession coming up? It, when is it going to hit? Uh, what are interest rates doing? These are all things in your circle of concern that uh, you might be worried about, but the reality is you really can't do a whole lot about them. Exactly. And it really doesn't matter spending time thinking about things in your circle of concern. What really matters is your circle of influence. And it's a much, much, much smaller circle inside of that. And, and if, if you act inside of that circle, it actually grows and gets bigger. And so what does that really mean? Well, at times, you know, starting GreenPal, um, when we had 20 customers um, or, or, and, and five lawn care services using the platform, now we have 300,000 customers. But at but at times at times uh, what does it mean circle of influence is is literally calling customers up on the phone every time I've ever been stuck in business if I just asked the people using my product how are we doing what are two or three things where we're letting you down what are two or three things you wish we would do better <clears throat> and then started working on those things it always like unstuck the moment I was in. And, and mm. so in the first two or three years, maybe the first two or three levels of starting GreenPal, it was a lot of that. What was the circle of, of, cons of, of influence that I could act in? What can I actually do? And a lot of times it's, it's really one or two or three things that you can really focus on to help you get to the next level. And so yeah. maybe, maybe your business is dealing with constant turnover. And a lot of businesses do, especially these days. And it's constantly, you can't keep people. Well, then maybe you, your circle of, of influence is a training system where, where you know, you have the best training system for uh, if you have a coffee shop on how to get somebody up to speed to being like a world-class barista. Rather than two years, it takes two weeks. And so yeah. if you spent time working on that 
in the in the business moment where you worked on that thing in your in your in your circle of 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 influence then next thing you know you you can get to the next level of okay i've got that solved let's just move on to the next thing I love that principle, that analogy too, because you're you're making the point that you know these things that are in your circle of concern, you do care about them. You just can't do a lot about it. Where right. you're saying you live your life in that circle of influence, and as that grows, it's so funny. Whether you get promoted or you just get more impact and influence, you're now in charge of some of those things that used to be in your concern. Now you actually can do some of those. Exactly. So it, you made a great analogy there too, where. Um, you know, I, I was sharing with you before we started recording that I used to landscape as well. Uh, I, I didn't have 300,000 customers, Brant. I know that's hard to believe, but I think we had 10. Yeah. But I noticed that the person that I worked for, he was always trying to drum up new business. And it, every once in a while, his name was Todd Donahue. He was awesome. He actually listens to the show still. I'm going back about 30 years now, 35 years. Every once in a while, we would stop and we would call people that were in the neighborhood of where we were. This is back when there were yellow pages. And he would call and say, listen, I'm here. I do something super cheap for you. Let me come and mow your yard. I was just looking at your place. Can, you know, would you let me come and do it? But I heard him arguing at one time with somebody on the phone. And he was basically <laughs> saying, listen, you, you, I will do it cheaper than whoever you're using right now. Let me come and do your yard. I'll absolutely do it for free. And the, the person would not change. They were like, Nope, I love my landscaper, blah, blah, blah. After he hung up, I noticed that he was talking to somebody that was actually an existing customer. We already had them as a customer and he was trying to see what they might say about him as a competitor or would oh, they wow. go with the cheapy cheap. And so, you know, I just learned that he, he always would ask people, you know, he would, he would do some sort of a, a low end feedback tool like that to see what's working, what's resonating. Did they like the service that we were providing? I just thought it was a brilliant way to just see what's working and what's not working. Uh, I have a question for you, Brian. So, you know, I think we've all, anybody who has tried to start a business or, you know, is it entrepreneurial in some way, shape or form? I think we all have a tendency to worry about things that aren't quite there yet. Right. How are we going to scale? Well, you've right. got two customers, so maybe scaling is not where you need yeah. to be worrying about at the moment. Um, How could I do this without a co-host? Right. Like that runs through my head yes. all the time. Smart. You should be worried about that. Um, the question I have for you is, are there some foundational pillars for somebody starting a business that they should really focus on first before they let their brains and imagination run wild as to problems that could be happening 12 months, 18 months, 24 months in the future. Are there a couple of foundational pillars that really helped you grow when you first started this? Yeah, it's it, a lot of it comes back to what is the value proposition of the business? And, and I think this, this is, this gets glossed over and not really understood by new founders because nobody teaches this stuff in school. Nobody teaches yeah. us uh, how to run a small business in, in high school or college, even if you go to business school. And and it comes back to what do you do better in your market versus your competitors? And and the, the answer to value proposition is if I'm your ideal customer, so for example, the, the the you're talking about your former boss in the landscaping business, somebody who lives on the same street as other customers that you already service, already on the route, that's the ideal customer in the demographic. Why, if I'm your ideal customer, why would I choose to do business over you versus anybody else? Yeah. 
And the answer to that question always starts with because. Because I am the best landscaping contractor you can hire on Haymarket Street for under $35 a week, even if your grass is four feet tall. It has to be a meaningful reason why I would do business with you versus everybody else. And and the problem is a lot of new founders, if they're in level one or two of the game, they get stuck up on value proposition. They think the answer to that question is, well, we've got matching uniforms or <laughs> or we give free estimates. If you call us, we'll give you a free estimate or or we license and bonded or or uh, or uh, satisfied customers, integrity, quality. Like all of these things that are either vague or the founder thinks they matter, but they really don't. It's got to be a compelling reason for why should I choose to do business with you versus anybody else. And if you can go through the exercise of working through that honestly and really like look yourself in the mirror, so to speak, like really, you know, do business with yourself like like your, your former boss did. Um, and discover what it is you're the best at in the market and then double down on those things. That's what takes you from being self-employed, you know, uh, working your butt off for, for you know, 70, 100K a year versus building an actual business um, and, and, and discovering that and, and going all in on that and building systems around what that value proposition is. Man, that was a great question. I think you squeezed another thought out of Brian. <laughs> I love <that. laughs> We're going to wind up at least getting four, I see here. That was fantastic. <laughs> Listen, we'll be right back after this message. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference. All that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three-times-a-week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. All right. Well, let's do uh, let's do your second official thought that rocks. What, what, what's the next thing to do? Again, we're talking about growing your business from zero to eight figures, but without any outside capital. How do you do this? Thought that rocks. Let's stay in the uh, seven habits uh, uh, kind of yeah. uh, kind of camp. Let's 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 do another seven habits thing. So, a lot of times we we conflate urgency with importance uh, as small business owners. I have been guilty of this for twenty two years in business, where where we will we'll we'll open the email inbox, we'll check the voicemail, and it's all of these things that are urgent. And it's boom, boom, boom. And, and it's like it's upset customers or bills that haven't been paid or employees that are pissed off or whatever. And we're working through them and, and we're getting them done. And, and maybe we spent all day working on those urgent things. And then we feel exhausted. And, but maybe we feel like we haven't had a productive day. And, and the reality is, is we're just on a hamster wheel because we're always stuck in that quadrant of things that are, that are urgent. And maybe they are important. Uh, but even even set more sad, like they're urgent and they're not even important. 
Like it's, yeah. it's, it's somebody that, you know, is just wasting your time or it's a customer that's not a good fit or, or maybe it's a customer you should have fired or it's an employee you should have pruned out or something. And so we get caught up in, 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 in that urgent, that, that sense of urgency and this, and this never get out of that. What you really want to spend time on is, and maybe even just come in on Sunday afternoon, you want to focus on these things that are important, but not urgent. So like, 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 we'll go back to the example, your former boss calling up customers on, on the same street, doing those sales calls that didn't have to be done at that moment. It wasn't like something that had to be done that day, but prospecting and doing that kind of sales is, is an important thing that you do need to yeah. make time for that may not necessarily be urgent. So you'll never get out of metaphorically one, two or three uh, levels of the, of the game. You'll never get into building a real business. If you can't make time to maybe just an hour a day or five hours a week in the early days of, of working on the things that are important, but aren't necessarily like burning the house down that moment. And a lot of times yeah. it's, it's things around culture. It's around strategy. It's around, it's around things around uh, systems, employee training systems, um, you know, competitive analysis, all of these things that, that it's hard to find time to do when you're just trying to hold a business together. Yeah. And, and the quadrants that, that Brian's talking about is so great because when you take urgent and not urgent and important and not important, and it makes four quadrants, everybody seems to be focused on these other three versus the one, like you said, it's, it's absolutely important, but unfortunately it's, it's, you know, you don't have that crisis mode. I still see people that live their life in that it has to be done right now, even as silly as junk mail. I know people to this day, they get junk mail, they open it. Yeah. They they know they know for a fact there's no redeeming value. You can tell from the outside, but you feel like you've got to open it. When the phone rings, I know people that have to answer it right away. And I'm like, in today's day and age, you don't have to get a voicemail, but the things you're talking about, to spend time, to sit back and think strategically, to work on things. Actually, we just talked about this at lunch, the things that really is going to take a little bit more time, but it's not in your face. It's not proximate. Nobody's asking for it, but it's the best work that you can do. Yeah. And there are just too many people that have that, oh, that sense of urgency. I think that's a great, a great analogy. I don't know. I guess ultimately it gets you to an eight figure company. If you could just live your life like that, that would be tough. Um, and, and how would this, I guess this would be the question since we're talking about no outside capital, you don't have any money that you're putting in. How does that living in that specific quadrant um, actually help you grow the business ultimately to, to being eight figures? Yeah. It's, it's like uh, what you just described uh, going through junk mail versus, versus, you know, sitting down in a quiet space, thinking through strategy is the difference between hard work and difficult work. Um, and you can come in and spend all 12 hours a day doing hard work. Um, yeah. But it's actually more difficult work to think through the systems and processes to, to, to streamline these things. And, and so if you're, if you're wanting to get to eight figures, you're going to have to spend time in that quadrant of doing the difficult work of creating the systems that, that build a business that don't just mean that you're self-employed, that you're running from one customer or job to the next. And it's actually, it's a lot harder to do that. It's a lot harder to, to think through how to, you know, either, you know, you can push a rock up a mountain and that's hard, or you can build a system, a machine that, that moves it up the mountain. And, yeah. and that's the harder thing. And that's the difference between being self-employed versus having a business. And, and listen, it takes time and, and we all get caught is spending weeks and years, um, 
you know, wasting time, you know, on the hamster wheel of, of, of things that are urgent, but not important. Um, and, and I, Lord knows I have, but you know, if we can, if we can just read the book, seven habits of highly effective people once a year, it brings you back to, okay, this is the way I need to be thinking. You know, the gold standard of this is, if just is like, like Jeff Bezos once said, I get paid to make three good decisions a week. Like that's a man that's living only in the important, yeah. not urgent quadrant right now as small business owners, we can't operate that way. But if you can figure out a way to maybe like take a few hours and think that way um, and, 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 and just focus on one piece of your business, you know, maybe it's your, your marketing strategy. Maybe it's your employee training uh, system. Maybe it's, maybe it's your customer satisfaction system, you know, just one little piece of it at a time and spend yeah. a month on it. That's how you get to maybe level five or six. In my 21 years that I was at Hard Rock, uh, 16 of those, I was head of training and development. And this is what you're talking about. It's exactly what, what learning and development professionals talk about. Do you report to operations or human resources? There's benefits to both. I reported the majority of the time to HR versus ops, but the six or eight months that I did report up in operations, and this is just because leadership change and they want to move my department somewhere. Boy, did they have a lot more money, a lot more resources and operations, but I was miserable because I was the hamster in the wheel. Something was broken and they thought it was a training issue and let's go over here. And it was constant go, 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 go. Where reporting to human resources, you were able to sit back think strategically, gather the team, talk through a lot of the things, if it's even a, a, a training issue in the first place. And so I just, I have learned over the years and, and Brant, you and I, we, we have a couple different companies, Brian, but some of the best work that we do is at the very least once a year, sitting down with a flip chart going, if it isn't broke, let's break it. Let's figure out to do it better. Or if we're going to go start something new, let's spend the time to think about it and not just throw a bunch of money and just create something from scratch. So I, I appreciate what you're saying. My question is, how do you tell the difference between something that's urgent and something that is not urgent? So is there a question that you ask yourself? Is there like a if then statement that you can use as a little trigger to, to get yourself to, to not make that mistake? Yeah. How do you, how can you tell if something is like, uh, if something is urgent versus not urgent? Um, you know, a lot of times it, it, it's like, what is the one goal of the business that we're trying to do? You know, everybody on the team should be able to tell you what's the one thing we're trying to improve. What's the one metric that matters for us at GreenPal? It's, it's transactions per week. This is the one metric that, that we can all rally around and understand if the business is healthy, if it's growing, mm -hmm. if it's if, if we're on the right track or not, because it's an active metric. It, it means are we connecting buyers and sellers and 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 are they actually conducting business on our platform? And if it doesn't map back to that, you know, if like if somebody emails in and says, hey, you know, uh, site, this part part of this of the platform is down and I can't complete uh, transactions on the platform. That is an urgent problem. We need to rally everybody around that. But if, if, it, if it's somebody who, who maybe is, is, uh, is, is, is a vendor trying to pitch us something or, or obviously that, that's not an urgent matter, but if it's somebody who maybe isn't a good fit for the business, maybe if it's, if it's somebody who, if, in our example, who, who's looking for like a private gardener to stay at their property seven days a week. Not a good fit for us, but, uh, but they're complaining about something. It's not really an urgent matter. But if it's somebody who is our ideal prospect, who, who is our bread and butter, who's telling us, hey, uh, I, I tried to use your service, but I'm not having luck with it. And here's why. We need to dig into that. We need to cue that up and figure out 
what's going on and, and ask why five times. What you know, like like you mentioned earlier, the difference between HR and operations. I think what you were describing was the ability to like drill in and ask why five times. Okay, why is this person upset? Well, because we had an employee that that let them down. Okay, why did the employee let them down? Well, because they didn't know that they were supposed to be there on the day they did. Well, why didn't they know that? Well, because the system that tells them where they're supposed to be didn't send them a reminder that the night before, and it only like told them once that week. Okay, we've got a problem where we need to have a reminder at this particular moment so that doesn't happen again. To me, that's a lot of fun, like diagnosing yeah. and, and fixing those things. So I think like discerning if something's urgent or not, is does it map back to the one thing we're trying to do, you know, if your business is five people or 500, everybody should be able to answer that. What's the one metric we can look up on the board and, and say, okay, we're, we're doing well or we're not. And, and it needs, it can't just be like page views. It can't just be uh, downloads. It can't be, um, you know, number of emails sent. It has to be an active metric that, that, that adequately measures the health of the business if it's growing or dying. Well, and I also think along those lines, you know, I have always looked at uh, everything is going to be urgent to someone, but it might not be urgent to you. And so, you know, you do this best. This is what your your gig's about. You're talking about purpose and mission and values. So if it isn't, if it doesn't contribute to your value orientation, or in the case you're asking, maybe the organizational values or the purpose of the mission, then it's probably not urgent. It's important. But it might not be urgent at that moment, unless it really is. And and, and you take the crisis out because stuff's going to happen no matter what. And we have humans that are all involved. But for the most part, the majority of things aren't really urgent, but people feel like it is. And so they just get addicted to the urgency. That's just and now this planet, I mean, everything has got to be quick, quick, quick. And it's drive throughs and microwaves and technology and all of that. I just think if more people could do exactly what you're talking about, Brian, and, and just sit back, you know, some of the, the best work that some of our friends have done is said, I get up in the morning. I don't even look at my phone. I'm not on email. I just sit five, 10 minutes and I'm either meditating. Maybe I'm praying. Maybe I'm, I'm looking over my own mission and values. Maybe I'm just thinking about what my day is going to be like. They tend to be the happiest and the most productive versus you wake up and you're just, you're just, you're firing on all cylinders and that's not going to be healthy. It's fun to be the firefighter and to fix things every once in a while. I love jumping into a dish room or cleaning a room as a housekeeper, rolling up your sleeves every once in a while. And you're the hero. If you're doing that every day, right. you're, you're, you are working in the business. You're never working on the business. You, never, exactly you right. never grow the thing. So that's, ex that's exactly right. And figuring out why do I have these 30 urgent things in my, in my inbox every morning and the important work that isn't necessarily urgent is figuring out why did, why are, are these things happening all the time and, yeah. and solving for those, creating the systems and solving for those gets you into a whole new world where now you don't have all of these, these fires burning. And, yeah. and the problem is a lot of small business owners will spend years, decades in, in that paradigm of, of things that are urgent, but not necessarily like, not necessarily important. And they're never working on the important, not urgent thing. Yeah. And, and I've been guilty of that. Before we do your, your third thought, I was just thinking about this. I mean, at your level now with what you do in running the company and as a CEO, do you teach, you, you know, at some point, are there courses, are there classes, are there conversations that happen beyond your direct reports? How do you get it down to the actual crew, the people that are out there doing the work? Do they, do they hear these same things about 
treating the business like a video game, maybe not at the, the, you know, the level that are mowing the actual yards or doing the landscaping, but certainly anybody in a leadership role, how did they get this information? Cause you made a great point. It's not being taught anywhere, right? You certainly aren't getting it nowadays from your parents or school or wherever you're kind of getting it from your organization. And it seems like you're the type of person that would, that would want to teach this. Do you have things in place where people can get that information when they join Green Pal? Yeah, you know, it, it's one of the hardest things to solve for in business. My first company was 150 people, and now my second company, Green Pal, is a little over 40. And so now, you know, I'm of the size where I still have, I still, you know, I've hired everybody that works for the company. I still, everybody's still in arm's reach. I still have personal impact with everybody. And this is, this is still in the fun zone. Of, yeah. of building a business. This is kind of like the grow up phase. Uh, and then when you start getting into the scale up phase, it's like managers of managers. And, 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 then, and then, you know, the scary thing is that there may be people hiring people and then you don't, you, you don't yeah, know the names of someone. And, oh my God. And, and that's when the culture gets watered down. Yeah. And so how, how do you, how do you preserve that? I once read somewhere that, that uh, Amazon was basically scaffolding around Jeff Bezos and and that they had this culture of experimentation and when uber was first getting going uh they they realized that that the uber network was being used to ferry packages around and there was a there was they were trying to figure out last minute delivery and and so the the somewhere inside of the huge behemoth that is amazon there was a unit that decided they wanted to experiment with picking up packages through uber drivers and delivering them and like mm. That trickled all the way down, like that that ethos of of experimentation, like trickled all the way down to this corner of Amazon. That 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 is a that is a virtue of of Jeff Bezos. Like that is the gold standard. How do you yeah. how do you make those those virtues manifest themselves uh, all the way down and and not and not get diluted? And it's hard. I don't have the silver bullet for it because I, I lost I lost uh, my way a bit in my first company when we got over a hundred people. I think a lot of it comes down to um, is, is, of course, hiring, making sure you're hiring people that that think the same ways you do, that maybe, you know, one thing we look for is people that, that have ADD because because I do a little bit myself. You know, I want the person who's constantly curious because we live in a world now that that it's always going to be like this this dopamine machine of, of different challenges and problems to solve for. Like I'm looking for people like that. Um, oh. I'm looking for people who are like me in a way that have a chip on their shoulder and the business and where we're going is, is a way to solve for that. And, and so, you know, it doesn't work out. You've got a place to go. Brad. <laughs> you're, you're, I think work for Brian. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. you're describing Brad. That's crazy. <laughs> so I think, I think it's important to like hire people that, that are literally like have the virtues that you're looking for to, and, and that's where maybe 90% of, of a lot of this stuff takes care of itself. Um, but I, I don't, I know of no way I've never, I've never done it right with, with over 150, 200 people to yeah. say, okay, this is how we, we carry these, these, these virtues that are so important, uh, all the way through from top to bottom. And it never gets diluted because that is so damn hard yeah. and you see it, you know, you see it, you see it at, at scale, you know, why, why does the, the, the experience through a McDonald's drive through differ so much than one at Chick-fil-A? Yeah. You know, and, and, and what, what, what went right and what went wrong there. There is stuff to be learned that, that from that, that we can apply to our small business. But one thing that does matter is, do you care as the founder? Yeah. Are you 
carrying the flag for what the culture is every day? And like, are you bringing the enthusiasm every day? And when you spot these like breakdowns and, and what the virtues are of the business, are you, are you solving for them or are you just hoping they go away? Um, yeah. and, and it's never ending as a founder, as a leader, that's one of the main things you have to do is, is protect the culture, protect, uh, the things that matter to us, the virtues we stand for and not, and not let that go because next thing you know, you, you live in a world where you hate driving to the office. Yeah. You're speaking our language. That's for sure. And, and the reason I asked, I just think you clearly are a fan and a disciple uh, of the Covey, the seven habits, but you also have these great ideas that you could package it at some point. I don't know what it looks like, but to make sure that it's, it's part of your legacy and it gets down beyond your direct reports, because at some point it gets off the rail when you've got multiple yep. levels. What, what is, um, th this is great stuff. What is your third and final thought that rocks? Maybe we've touched on some of this already. How do you grow the business with little to no outside capital? Well, you know, you, you, <laughs> you gotta be an animal and, and like, I think if you're going to build a business to, to over seven figures, maybe eight figures, you, the people that work for you and your friends maybe should describe you as an animal because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take every bit of your, your, I guess, GDP of who you are to make this thing happen. And, and like, especially the first three or four days of uh, four years are going to be seven days a week. Because you're doing three things at once. And we've kind of touched on two of them already. Uh, you know, you're working in the business. You know, you're just doing the things, the, the urgent things that are important, pissed off customers, vendors that aren't paid, and you're grinding through those. And then you're, you're working on the business, the things that are important but not urgent. You know, you're building systems, processes, uh, building, building strategy. You know, you're, 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 you're courting people to work for you and things like that. So you're doing those things in and on the business. And then the third thing is it doesn't get talked about a lot about is working on yourself. Hmm. You are reading books. You are listening to podcasts. You are, you've got audible on all the time. Like, like somebody's like, Hey, did you check out that new show on Netflix? You have no idea what they're talking about. Or somebody <laughs> asks you, Hey, did you check out game seven? You don't even know who's playing. Uh, you, you, you literally are, are consumed with this business seven days a week doing in the business on the business and on yourself because you don't have the skills that you need to, to work these levels of the game. I saw an interview with somebody that was talking about, uh, Mr. Beast and, and, uh, he was like, yeah, I was talking to him and, uh, and like, I was talking about this movie that was out uh, or, or maybe it was like squid game with squid games is really big. And I was talking to him about squid games and I could instantly tell, like he was nodding along, but he had no idea what I was talking Not about. A clue. <laughs> yeah. So and it's like, it's because that all that dude lived in was it and still is like YouTube, like seven days a week, nothing else. And I'm not saying you gotta be that crazy about it, but you do have to be like that bought in and that much of an animal to, to get yeah. something like this going. And and if not, if it's if it's not for you, then it's okay to stay self-employed. You don't have to build a big business. Yeah. Stay self-employed, make some money and invest that money. That's okay too. You don't have to be an animal. Yep. I think you do a pretty good job of balancing this stuff out. Cause I can tell you all these books back here behind us, Brian, they're all boring business books. He's read them all. There's not a single fiction on that thing, but 
like you, I'm constantly on a quest to to put more arrows in my quiver. I just want to be able to hang from a business standpoint. So it is business books, it's podcasts, it's but but I think you actually do both because you do get a chance to have some fun and watch movies and you play on TikTok and yeah. I, I don't I don't really do a lot of that, but uh I, I probably could get better from a balance. Well, what were you gonna say? I think it depends on what your business is too. So for me of sort of having a foot in the personal development space, right? You got to go where the people are yeah. Um, with the message that you want them to hear. Um, and so, you know, it's funny, Brian, you sort of gave uh, in, in, you got to care for your people. You sort of gave what I have used as my sort of strongest close um, for companies hiring me to come and speak. And, and I only ask one question uh, to the CEOs, which is, do you care about your people? And they always go, of course I care about my people. And then I go, how do you care about your people when you don't know what your people care about? Exactly. And they go, oh. <laughs> and I go, well, that's what I do. I help you understand what your people care about. And then I get them to use what matters most to them to amplify what matters most to you. And that's the work that I do. And as soon as they hear that, they get it. Because when they, when, you know, it's easy to say you care, but that doesn't mean you effectively care. Exactly. <laughs> it just, it just means that, that you have a heart and I'm, I'm glad they have a heart, but if they're going to invest time and they want to see production and they want to see success and growth, um, that only happens when people use what matters most to them as their motivation. It they're is servitude. Gonna, that's right. They're not going to use what matters most to you because they don't care what matters to you. They care what matters to them. Exactly. And so that's, you know, I, I look at this and in, in when you say you've got to work on on yourself, um, I am, you're, I mean, I scream it from the mountaintops on a daily basis. You know, unless you know what your four or five non-negotiable values are, you're winging it and winging it requires accidents or luck for success. And I don't want to rely on either one of those things. Um, but that's the truth. And so again, it's one thing to say that you know it, right? When I first did the work on myself, I knew what my non-negotiable values were, but knowing doesn't change your life. <laughs> Using it's... them and speaking them into existence is what moves you forward. And so it took me a long time to figure that out because I thought I had it figured out. I'm like, well, I know what matters to me, but I wasn't being deliberate with my intention. I wasn't actually speaking these things into my daily life. And the minute I started doing that, I started to see doors open and I started to see connections happen. You know, one of the things that I, that I find really interesting, um, there's this real negative perception of silos in business, right? You don't want silos. You don't want silos. And I, I just can't disagree more. Um, I believe that there should be tons of silos in your business, mm. but they need to be connected silos. They have to have silos with bridges between them, right? That's the difference is that you don't want to tear down a silo. If you tear down a silo, you have a bunch of misplaced workers with nowhere to go. And so they end up showing up in places that they're not wanted or not effective. Mm. And so when you let them live in their silo, guess what happens? They're the only ones who are experts in that silo. They're the ones who know everything that needs to happen within that silo. And if you build bridges to that silo, the question is how many bridges need to be built? 
Does it need to be one from finance and one from HR and one from executive leadership? Or is this a silo that only requires one bridge so they can pretty much stay to themselves? You know, the, the key is to allow access, but that bridge only happens when people know what matters to them and what matters to the company. That's where, I love they, meet that. the, that's where they meet in the middle, right? And so it's one thing to say it, but how do you get your people to do it? Do you give them books to read? Do you give them suggestions? Do you say, I'll pay for you to go to this conference? How, as a leader, do you really encourage people beyond just telling them to actually go do the work? Yeah, I love that. Um, I bet you, uh, I bet you Navy SEALs SEAL Team 6 is a silo, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. And, and, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the, the, the Navy SEALs are a silo in, of the, of the Navy, but SEAL Team 6 is a, is a silo inside of, 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 of that. That's right. And so like, that's the gold standard, you know, of, 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 of excellence and execution and training. And, and yeah. so how do you, how do you Navy SEALsify your little small business if it's 10, 20 or a hundred people? Um, I think first thing is you can't motivate unmotivated people. You have to recognize that, that the people you're bringing on have to want to be more. They want to have to want more out of life. They, they, maybe they have that chip on their shoulder. They want to grow. And as part of the, the, the leadership of, uh, that you're bringing them and, and what the business is bringing them is fulfilling that. So if they don't have that, if they don't have that in their DNA, you know, if they didn't get, you know, passed over for the football team in high school, or maybe you didn't get a date to prom or something like this, this is my own PSD I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> He's working on uh, issues yeah, yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, and they don't have that inside of them and they don't, and they haven't been trying to solve it, you know, solve for it since high school. And it's just part of who Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> not going to state. Wait, I got a little specific there, Brian. That was <laughs> exactly. If this is not part of who they are, and they have, they, and they're, and they're just trying to solve for that, and and the business, and the mission, and 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 what they're professional at is not part of solving for that. Then I don't think there's any any amount of coaching or guiding or leading you can do for that kind of person. And you have to recognize it for it is what it is, and and you can't waste a lot of time sending that person to a conference because you're wasting your money and you're wasting their time. Uh, but once you, <laughs> one of the best hires I ever made was a uh, was a guy that worked for me in my last business who who ended up running the whole thing and when he, the first day he worked for me he was a uh, he was making sandwiches at Jersey Mike's but there was just something about this guy that that I could just tell the only thing the only credential he had was was a great attitude and and he and he he had a hobby of designing uh landscaping uh, cause he, cause he just liked doing it. And I just thought, well, th if this dude's doing this as a hobby, it means he's curious about it. And you know, it may, means that he, that he just likes this type of thing. So I think I'm going to take a chance on him. And I quickly realized that like this dude had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and, and he actually wanted to grow and learn and, and had a thirst for that. So I, man, I, I like doubled down on it. And, and I was, I was giving him the same books I was reading and I was sending him links to stuff that, that, that I was consuming. And I, and I paid for him to go to an industry show with, uh, every year uh, with me. And, and man, that was one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done in business was watching him grow alongside of me. That's awesome. And, and uh, when I sold the business in 2013, he, he was running it. And the, the, the acquirer kept him on and gave him a big pay raise because they needed him. So here's this dude went from, you know, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 grand a year to, to, to multiple six figures uh, because he had it. He had the chip on his shoulder. And I was just kind of helping 
throw fuel on that fire. So <clears throat> I think the step one is don't try to motivate unmotivated people. If the, if you can put them in your system and they're a cog in your system, that's fine. But don't waste time trying to coach them to be more or want more if they don't want it. That's the yeah. biggest mistake I've made. And, and yeah. uh, I, I don't have any silver bullet for that other than just don't make the mistake of trying to throw books at somebody who isn't showing you they want to get to the next level. How about it? Well, these are great. I mean, again, I know we asked you a couple extra questions. I think we probably squeezed five or six thoughts out of it. The three I wrote down, though, official, look at the business like a video game, you know, focus on, on, you know, not just the urgency, but focus on the important things and probably not urgent. So you got to go and, and mine for those, look for the time, the energy to, to really focus on the business. And the last one, being an animal, and we talked about just hunting and being uh, aggressive and, and probably spending a ton of time on it. But the, the fruit, you know, the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is just going to be fantastic, man. That's, I can tell you're a developer of people and you think about these things. And, and like I said, even, even talking about things like the seven habits, you can tell the type of mind that you have. And you know, there's no, there's no, um, not understanding why you aren't successful, man. This is this has been great. Where can people find out more information about Green Pal or maybe a little bit more information about you, Brian? Yeah. Uh, anybody listening to this doesn't want to waste time mowing their own yard, just go to greenpal.com. <laughs> push a button, get it done. Uh, and anybody wants to hit me up, actually, Instagram is, is where I hang out the most online. So oh, nice. Go to, yeah, go to Brian M. Clayton. Just follow me and drop me a DM there. That is awesome, Brian M. Clayton. We'll make sure that happens. We'll put that in the show notes. Hey, man, thank you so much for just spending a little bit of time with us. This was a blast. And, uh, man, continued success on everything you're doing. Just we love watching it from a distance. It's great. Awesome. Brant, Jim, thanks for having me on. I had a lot of fun. You got it, brother. Thanks, Rock brother. on. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. Yeah, and listen, we know how busy you are. And grabbing those little nuggets of wisdom that can amp up your life are super hard to come by. So we hope this episode helped you enough for you to maybe subscribe and consider leaving us a rating and a review so that we can continue to grow the show. Thus That Rock is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and also supports Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options. They're amazing. Their work is incredible. To learn more, please go to cannonballkidscancer.org. Finally, if you're interested in having Brant or Jim or both of us speak at your event, whether as a virtual webinar or an in-person conference keynote or mastermind, contact us directly at thoughtsetrock.com. Until next time, rock, rock on. on. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of driven living.